How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, today we're talking about what it looks like to be the spiritual leader of your home through seasons of transition, which are inevitable, whether that be you guys are going to be moving out of a house or you are switching jobs or maybe you're switching career paths altogether. We all go through these different seasons of change. And so we're really going to talk about what does it look like for us to lead our family towards Jesus, to help to like not just be passive and kind of go with the wind in these seasons that are inevitable, but actually be proactive in being the leader and really helping our family continue to follow follow Jesus well and to fall in love with Jesus well uh, as we're going through these seasons. So that's what we're going to dive into today. But before we dive in, I do want to thank my friends over at Kettlebell Kitchen for sponsoring this episode. I know a lot of guys in the Dad Tired community often post about how they want to get in shape. They can't just really coast anymore. Uh, <laughs> our bodies are getting old on us, man, 30s, 40s. Uh, and you're just like, holy cow, I better be focused on what I eat and uh, like actually taking care of my body if I'm going to keep up with my kids. So if that's you, if you can relate to that, uh, you're definitely going to want to check out Kettlebell Kitchen. They're a great, great company. They're not just into like, uh, you know, one size fits all meal planning. They really are holistic and helping you figure out what is your fitness journey? What are your fitness goals? And how can we get you the right food to help you accomplish those goals? One thing that I love about what they do that kind of separates them from all the others is uh, when you sign up for one of their meal plans, they'll actually give you a complimentary uh, phone call with one of their nutritionists where you can talk about, hey, here are my goals. Can you kind of educate me on the food you guys use, where I'm at, and kind of come up with this holistic plan to help me uh, get in the shape that I need to be in as a man, which is just awesome. Uh, they were founded by two army veterans. I know we got a lot of vets here in the uh, dad tired community uh, and also a professional chef to create these meal plans that really are going to help you meet your fitness goals. You can go a la carte, just order one meal at a time, or you can go into one of their plans, but there's no long-term contracts required, which is just really flexible for busy dads and kind of our always changing schedules. They have all kinds of plans to choose from, whether that be vegetarian, keto, whole 30, paleo, anything you can imagine to like have really quality food, but also really healthy food. I actually tried these, like they had these beef tahini sliders with these like uh, cauliflower, some goodness. <laughs> it was amazing. Really, really good food. I've tried the food. I really like it. And what, what one of the best things about eating good food is when you eat and you feel full and, but you don't feel like overly stuffed and bloated and gross. Like their food, they just do a great job at that. They don't use dairy, soy, artificial flavors, anything like all of their ingredients ingredients are naturally uh, gluten-free and free of all the bad stuff. So anyway, uh, they're going to hook you up to help you feed the champion in you with Kettlebell Kitchen. Go to kettlebellkitchen.com, enter the code TIRED, T-I-R-E-D, and you're going to get $25 off each of your first two orders. Again, that's $25 each of your first two orders. That's a total of $50 off by going to kettlebellkitchen.com using the promo code T-I-R-E-D at checkout. So this week, I uh, went out to the mailbox to grab our mail, brought it in, saw that there was a letter there from our landlord. Uh, we've lived in the same little rental home here in Portland for the last six years. This was supposed to be like a quick transition place, you know, where we we stay here just for a bit as we kind of figure out what we're going to do next. <laughs> uh, what was supposed to be quick ended up being over six years now we've lived in this home. It's been a great house for us. 
Um, but it's always interesting, man. Like, you know, you're starting to get older and like become a real adult when you start looking at life in like five year increments, 10 year increments, 15 year increments. I remember as a teenager, even as a, like a young adult, things seem to happen in like six months to a year and even a year felt really long. And now, uh, a year is just like, holy cow, I blinked and a year happened. I can't even like six years to me doesn't even feel like anything. And I remember people saying that when I was younger um, and thinking, man, you're really old. <laughs> and now I'm the really old guy that's saying that kind of stuff. I just, dude, we're so, we're getting, oh. if you're a millennial, I'm a millennial, but I'm like at the, there are two generations behind us. It's really remarkable um, how like quickly time is going. And so, uh, anyway, so I, I got this letter in the mail and basically from our landlord who she's been gracious. She's been wonderful. Um, but one thing she said is, you know, just trying to keep up with the rental market. And so we're increasing your rent, blah, blah, blah. And that really just spurred on a conversation for Layla and I to figure out, all right, what is this next season of life going to look like for us? Are we going to stay here for another six years, 10 years, or is there something else going to happen? And that has sparked all kinds of conversations over the last couple of weeks for us, really asking like, what is our future and what do we plan on doing in the next uh, you know, five, 10, 15 years of our life? Real adult stuff. So uh, the reason I want to ta- tackle this uh, topic is because I know that there are a lot of you guys who are going through very similar stages, whether that be um, just thinking about life, kind of planning out for your family, what are, how many kids are we going to have? Where are we going to live? Do we want to stay in this neighborhood? Should we move into a different neighborhood? Should we stay with this job? Should you work? Should I work? Should you be home? Should I be home? And all that. So I know this is a topic that many of you guys um, as young families that we're all kind of struggling through together. And the reason I thought it was really especially important to talk about is because Layla and I, we've had some really hard conversations, probably harder conversations in the last few weeks than we've had in the last couple of years, really. Like just it's a, what it does is it change kind of exposes what's actually going on in your heart and the things that you actually value. And so it really just like brings to the surface like, oh, I didn't realize I had such strong opinions about this particular value. And those lead to some really hard conversations. And I think what would the what the enemy would love to happen is to really divide you and your wife or you and your spouse during these seasons as it's kind of exposing, well, what's most important to me? Is that most important to you? Is the, Are these the things that you want to do? Um, maybe it's not the things I want to do. Like my wife, for very practically for Layla and I, like we're talking about, should Layla keep working? She works as a nurse part-time. Should she keep working? Should she work less? Are we able to get her to a spot where she can work less if she wanted to? Um, we homeschool. How are we going to make that happen? Like what is uh, the, the next season of life was homes and neighborhoods? Like there's so many really practical questions that I know you guys are asking as well. I think one thing that's really important that, you know, the verse that in Ecclesiastes that talks about everything happens in a season. And I think this is just so, so important. Um, we all are used to seasons, right? Seasons of change. Um, and for, like I said earlier, for some of us, those seasons of change come more quickly when we're younger. So a season of change could be like a week or a month or six months and seasons of change really for us as kind of older married really seem to happen in longer spurts for most of us. I know that's a generalization, but for most of us, they come in longer spurts. But what's important is to realize like it's a season like there this is nothing is going to be stable. In fact, like James talks about, which is really 
um, I think super important for us to remember as Christians in James chapter four, he talks about why are you so arrogant um, to really plan out your future future? I should read the verse so that I'm not just making it up. Let me pull it up real quick so that I don't like make something up and you're like, Jared, that's not at all what it says. It says this, uh, James four thirteen. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? Do you even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live here or do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Um, And so crazy that James is actually talking about arrogance and sin really when they're just all the the people we're doing is saying we're going to go over here and like live try to make start a business here or make money over here it doesn't seem like what we would say is obvious sin is what james is saying is sin and really what he's saying is your arrogance to assume that you know the future uh is really sin against god like you how do you know what tomorrow holds how do you even know you're going to be here tomorrow and so what i mean by that and where i'm getting with that is as christians we kind of We recognize that all of life uh, is in seasons and will have change. And so we hold everything loosely because we don't know. There's no way that I can say uh, we're going to buy a home and we're going to live there for the next 30 years and then we'll retire and we'll die and we'll like whatever it is. Like as Christians, we hold everything very loosely knowing God could call us anywhere at any point. He could call us to a new job. He could call us to a new neighborhood. He could call us overseas to spread the gospel. He could call us like wherever he wants. He could call us home to like go to heaven uh, and to be with Jesus, right? Like we don't want to boast and to have this arrogance that we can plan out the future. And so there's always this subtle, um, real fine tension between am I being obedient to God and being wise with my future while also knowing that anything can change at any point. So as Christians and as Christian men, we know, all right, anything, uh, God could really uproot us at any point, And I'm not going to be boastful enough. And even as James would say, sinful to believe that I can plan out my whole future and to kind of settle with these deep roots. And so with that, knowing that, knowing that God can call you anywhere at any point and kind of move you around, um, then we have to think, okay, when those seasons of change come, what does it look like for us to lead our family well in those seasons of change that are inevitable? Because all of life is changing. God is always moving us and shifting us for the sake of his glory and for our good. And one thing that I think is really important um, is to recognize that there are really kind of two different levels of change. Uh, and, and here's what I mean by that. I think for some of us, there's going to be times where God actually ordains, like he directs a change, like God is calling you to go somewhere else. God is calling you to move neighborhoods. God is calling you to switch jobs. God is calling you to maybe move out of state or to a different country or whatever. Like God's, God is like pressed on your heart to go be obedient to this call that he is calling you to. And then there are other times where God just simply allows a change. And so I just don't want us to over-spiritualize everything. Like like if you're thinking, man, should I move down the street or should I change this job? And I'm really waiting for the Lord to give me some deep sign like, Lord, have a crow fly over my head at 243. Uh, 
on Wednesday if you want me to move to Ohio. Like, you know, this, let's just not over-spiritualize things. I think sometimes God just gives us the freedom to say, all right, man, you want to go take this job? Cool. You want to take that job? Cool. You want to move over here? Cool. Like, whatever. Just be obedient to me in the midst of that change. And we kind of have the freedom to, you know, to make decisions as we will or as we please in the middle of that. And there are other times where God actually like directs us and you'll know that like, it's just deep on your heart. It's like, man, I don't even want to do that, but God keeps pressing this on me that I should be changing this job or moving over here. We should be doing this as a family. And now it's just a matter of obedient. Will you be obedient to God as he's very clearly prompting you towards change? Okay. So my point there is let's not over spiritualize things. Change is inevitable. But we have to recognize that sometimes it's God directing the change and other times it's just God allowing the change and looking for obedience in the midst of that change. So saying all that and kind of laying that groundwork, one thing that stuck out to me as Layla and I are having these deeper, harder conversations these last few weeks about what will be changed for us is I remember as a young adult in my 20s, um, really making kind of, for lack of better words, like childish decisions as a, and really selfish decisions as a as a man as a husband as a guy it's one thing when you're single college like i moved from california up to oregon really on a whim and just kind of and probably some of my motivation not even being good um just running away from old stuff or old problems or whatever and i just said i'm going to move i'm getting out of here and so i just moved and uh, packed up my little pickup truck and I drove from California, Oregon, and I got a job and I, you know, ended up kind of settling here. Um, and that was fine because I was a single dude, but it's, it's different now when you're married and when you have kids, like I can't make the same decision. I can't use the same process for decision-making now as a married man and as a dad that I could when I was a single guy. My, I always say my sin and my not just my sin, but my sin and my decision-making carries twice the weight, three times the weight, four times the weight. Like I'm, God has put me in a position to lead a family of five now, including myself. And so my decision carries four, five times the weight that it did when I was a single guy. And so this is why it's super important for us to think, what is it? How do we process these things and make good decisions as the spiritual leader of our family? And really I'm learning, I'm kind of distinguishing the times where I've made very childish, like boy-like decision versus uh, now trying to be a man and a man of God. And what is it? What are the, how do you contrast those two? Like, when do you know you're making a decision, just like childish decision, maybe like a boy-like decision? And when do you know you're making like a godly man decision? So let me give you a few examples of what this looks like really practically and how I've seen it play out uh, in my life, especially the last couple of weeks. So w- one thing um, that is really kind of a big distinguishing factor here is boys like when I was a boy and by boy I mean like when I wasn't even when I was in my 20s (laughs) like just childish immature uh, one thing I would do is I would just like make a decision on what felt right to me at the time like this feels right Uh, I have really strong emotions towards it I'm actually a very emotional guy I make a lot of decisions out of emotion for right or wrong and so kind of as a boy or a childish or immature decision is like what feels right I'm going to just go with my gut I'm going to go with what feels right and I'm just going to see what happens Um, that is 
a childish in many ways and uh, an immature in many ways decision. You'll hear people even say that, like, go with your gut. What does your gut tell you? Which in some ways I agree, but also we know, as the scriptures say, that our hearts are deceitful above anything else. And so there's no way that I can make godly, spiritually mature uh, decisions as the spiritual leader of my home by just going with my gut. Man, my gut changes. Like, bro, I just ate Panda Express and my gut changed, right? <laughs> like, uh, my gut, my feelings, my emotions changed. I literally changed. I was, you know, traveling for the last couple of weeks doing promotion for the Dad Tired book, and I was in three different time zones. And, bro, I could feel my emotions swaying all kinds of different ways just based on not having enough sleep. And so to say that I can make decisions just based on what I'm feeling is really, really immature um, because there's all kinds of things that affect my feelings. Like I didn't get enough sleep. I got six hours sleep instead of seven, and now my whole emotions change. I would have made a decision in that lack of sleep mode that I shouldn't have made when I got when I was well rested. And so there's no way that we can just make decisions based on what we're feeling. That's really an immature. That's what boys do. That's not what godly men do. So what do godly men do? Well, we actually seek wisdom, um, both from the Holy Spirit and from godly counsel. Uh, Ephesians 1, 7 talks about how the Holy Spirit is the giver of wisdom. Uh, and so, man, if like we want wisdom, James even says this, like you want wisdom, ask God to give you wisdom in James 1. And so there's a boy, a child, uh, immature follower of Jesus, man of, you know, man says, uh, I'm just going to go with what feels right. But a godly man, a spiritual leader says, what is the Holy Spirit prompting me? Like, what is wisdom beyond myself? And so Holy Spirit, as it says in Ephesians 1, like, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you give me wisdom beyond my own capability? Because I know I'm sinful, I'm broken, I, I, there's all kinds of factors that will change the way that I make decisions. But Holy Spirit, what would you, what kind of wisdom would you want to give me to lead my family well? And then we know Proverbs 12, 15 talks about like the foolish man makes decisions on his own, but the godly man is one who actually seeks the advice and instruction from wise counsel. And so again, boys, immaturity, uh, kind of men who aren't really uh, fully mature in Christ are just going to make decisions on what they feel. Godly men are going to say, I'm, I want wisdom beyond myself because I don't even trust my own gut. I don't trust my own heart. So am I humble enough to say, Holy Spirit, would you give me a perspective that I'm not currently seeing? And then presenting that, those same decisions uh, and options to godly counsel and say, hey guys, where am I like, where am I blind on this? I just started to have those conversations with men in our church and I'm already annoyed. <laughs> Uh, I'm already like annoyed by it because they're saying things that I don't necessarily want to hear. I would rather just say, well, no, I'm like, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to go for it. And they're offering perspective that is different than my perspective. I'm like, come on, you guys, like, it's just, just give me the yes, like be yes, man. But they're not praise God. They're, they're men of God who will say, Jared, are you thinking about this? Are you thinking about how your wife's going to feel if you make this particular move or decision? Are you thinking about what your kids are going to be feeling? And they're just godly counsel. And so that's what men do. That's what godly men do. We humble ourselves enough to seek wisdom, both from the Holy Spirit and from godly counsel. That's what men do. Um, boys, immature guys, immature men, uh, what we do when we're immature is we dominate or we pout when we don't get away. And I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second, what I mean by that. Um, so here's what's wrong. Here's a wrong way to go about handling a decision and change as a family. Here's the wrong way to be a spiritual leader by just being loud, dominant, or overly aggressive and trying to sell your idea. So there's a season of change coming, 
right? And you can say to your wife, here's what we're going to do. Well, why don't you just think this? Or no, I'm making the ultimate decision here. Or God put me in charge. So so here's what we're going to do. Like those are the wrong way to lead your family spiritually. Um, and then just trying to like convince, convince, sell, 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 sell. That's the wrong way to do it. That's one way. You just dominate. You try to be the overly loud one, the overly dominant personality in the family. And you're just kind of, kind of bulldoze and push your way towards or over everyone to get what you want. That's one way to do it wrong. The other way to do it wrong is to pout or become bitter because your wife may be the aggressive one. So your wife is the one who has the stronger personality and she may have, she's the louder of the two and saying, here's what we're doing, babe. Like, no, I want this. Here's the kind of house we're moving into. Here's the kind of job I want. Here's what we're moving forward to. And you uh, being kind of the more timid one, you pout and you just get quiet or you become bitter or both like you pout and you become bitter and you just start to like, man, why did I marry this woman? I, I should have married somebody else. What, what am I doing here? Uh, I'm frustrated with her. I'm frustrated with her decision making or whatever. That's the wrong way to handle that. The right way to handle that is to say, okay, um, either number one, uh, when you're, when it comes to being overly aggressive and dominant or two pouting and becoming bitter. What I want to do, what a, what a spiritual leader does, what a man of God does is to use every opportunity to say, what, how can I listen to my family? Like, what am I, what do I need to hear from what my wife is saying? How do I let everyone on this team have a perspective, uh, age appropriate, right? So you're not going to let your four-year-old decide what job you have or where you need to move. But I recognize that as the team leader, as the leader of this family, everyone's got a voice. And is there somewhere where I need to humble myself, to hold my tongue, to really dig into my wife's heart and ask, what is she feeling? Is there somewhere where she's scared that I need to comfort her or to give her assurance of where where I'm leading as a family? Am I fully understanding her perspective? Am I taking time to not just dominate in the conversation, but to actually listen, to sit and to hold my tongue, to be quiet, to have ears to hear and, uh, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen and slow to become angry, as James would say, like, am I, is that the posture I'm taking with my wife? Or if you feel like you're being bulldozed by your wife, are, instead of pouting and becoming bitter, are you expressing, are you, do you have the guts to say, babe, like, I, I'm hearing you. I, I, I see that this is super important to you and you're passionate about this, but uh, I'm just thinking about this perspective uh, or, and you're, you're actually bringing up to the surface, you are articulating with your words what you're feeling as opposed to just quietly internalizing that, kind of pouting or becoming bitter or letting your mind go in a bad direction towards your wife. Are you having the courage to bring up, to speak what's going on in your heart gently, uh, but confidently as you feel like the Lord has wired you different so that you can add a perspective? The wrong thing to do would just be to like, you know, recluse and to hide under the shell. The right thing, what a spiritual leader does is even if you feel like you're being bulldozed by your wife, you gently but confidently um, come to her and say, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I feel like the Lord's pressed on my heart. Uh, Can you help me understand this? Or can you, can you hear my perspective on this and why I might be fearful on this? Or maybe you're not thinking of this. So anyway, the, 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 
We don't want to bulldoze and we don't want to be really, uh, we don't want to get bulldozed. Those are two wrong ways as a spiritual leader to really lead our family well. If you feel like you are the bulldozer, what would it look like you for be to be humble and to be quiet and slow to speak and listen? If you feel like you're the one being bulldozed, uh, bro, don't take that like victim mentality, but say, what would it look like for me to have the courage to have hard conversations with my wife as opposed to giving the devil a foothold to really like speak bitterness and lies into your marriage and into what you're thinking about your wife. So um, finally, I'll just say this. Um, spiritual leaders, uh, they're, they're looking for every possible opportunity to point their kids back to Jesus. And so you know that change is inevitable. It's hard for kids. It's hard for you. Like, I love change. And even in this season, this is hard. It's hard because there's, again, the... the um, the weight of it is five times now as our family of five, what it was when I was just a single dude. And so it's hard. Change can be really hard. But what, I'm, what, what I want to do as a spiritual leader is really think through, how do I help point my family towards Jesus in every single opportunity, including this change? And so some things that I say to my family in the midst of this uh, is I say things, I tell my kids like, Jesus leads our family, not daddy. And so I'm even at dinner time. I'm, I'm bringing up this conversation as much as I can. I don't want to scare my kids or just plop on new things to them, but I really want them to know like Jesus leads our family. Daddy's not just making the decisions here, but Jesus is the one who ultimately directs our steps. And so as a family, let's pray and let's pray often so that we can get the wisdom of God to help us make the right decision. I really want my family to know that. I also want them to know that Jesus provides for our family. So you don't need to be scared. Remember, Jesus said if we can, the, the birds of the air, he'll take care of the birds of the ear, air and the beasts in the field. Like Jesus, he he's the one that's ultimately providing for our family, not daddy. And so I can one, just take rest in that, that this doesn't all weigh on my shoulders, but also I want my family to really know that we put the weight and our trust and our faith in Jesus, not daddy, because he's ultimately the provider of our family. I tell them that Jesus moves our family. Sometimes Jesus is the one that tells us like, hey, don't settle there. You guys aren't citizens in the kingdom of the world where you plant deep roots and you stay somewhere for 30 years and just kind of build your own comfortable uh, mansion and fort where you're like protected. Instead, we know that we are quick to move wherever God would want us to go. And sometimes that means jobs. Sometimes that means houses, like wherever God wants to lead us, we go. And so I'm trying to always point my family um towards Jesus and recognizing that he ultimately is the one that provides for us. He takes care of us. He leads us and he moves us. But I'm using this season of transition to really point them back to him. The last thing I'll just say is this. Uh, spiritual leaders, we move slow enough where we make wise decisions. And again, this is going back to kind of that child, boy-like leadership versus man of God leadership and contrasting the two. A man of God move slow enough to ensure that I'm making godly decisions with as much wisdom as I can. I'm not going to rush something because I feel something in my gut. I'm not going to rush something because I want to just dominate my family. I'm not going to rush something just to get my wife to get off my back or to stop talking about it and to appease her. Like I'm going to move slow enough so that I'm making wise decisions, godly counsel, Holy Spirit driven. But also, I want to be quick enough to move in obedience. Like if you know you and your wife are um, united in a decision, 
which is what we always fight for in big decisions. We fight for unity, not bitterness, because the devil loves bitterness and divisiveness in these seasons. When we know, like my wife and I, are, we, we've come together, we've compromised where we need to compromise with each other, we've heard each other, we've fought to be united with each other, we pray with each other, we seek to be united and, and to be of one spirit with each other. And then when we get there, we move and we move quickly with obedience because we don't want to just sit around, well, is this really what God wants? Does God really want me to move? We just move. And here's the the like hopefully the best news I can give give you in the midst of this. Like I just fully believe in God's sovereignty. As you're feeling the weight of like, is this the right decision? Is this the wrong decision? Um, ultimately, you are not smart enough, sinful enough, dumb enough, like whatever enough to stop God from doing what God wants to do in your life. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete that work. And you're just not dumb enough to mess that up. Praise God. I just fully believe in God's sovereignty. So you may make a decision that you feel like, oh, geez, we made the wrong decision. God's still going to do what he wants to do. He will accomplish his glory in you. He will continue to get the glory. You just you, you just can't mess it up, right? So, um step in with obedience. Be slow enough to like make decisions with wisdom, but just know you can move once you once you've found unity, like just go ahead and move move forward on the decision because you know that uh, God's going to do what God's going to do. And so day by day, we're like coming all the way back to what James says. Um, we're not going to be arrogant enough to plan the next 15 years of our life. But today, what does obedience to Jesus look like? Um, and in all things, in all these seasons of change, what would it look like for me as the man of my family to point my whole family towards Jesus and um, to be the spiritual leader of our home? I hope that's helpful and uh, helps you as you process any decisions and life change that you're currently going after. Seek Jesus today and he's going to take care of the rest. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.